Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday Night Post Game Edition of the Talking About Podcast. I'm Sean Kennedy. With me on the line is Liberty Ballers' own Dave Early. Dave, 118-106 victory for the Sixers tonight. Few big names out for the Golden State Warriors: Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, all unavailable. Tobias Harris, a late scratch for the Sixers. Things got a little hairy in the first quarter when Dante DiVincenzo, Delaware Jordan himself. Back in the Wells Fargo Center where he played so many games with uh, Villanova Wildcats, he had four threes in the first uh, and looked like Golden State was maybe going to pull a surprise off. But uh, Sixers regrouped in the second half, stretched the lead to double digits and pretty, pretty comfortable victory when it's all said and done. Dave, uh, yeah, good, good win for for the Sixers. What what was your main takeaway in in the victory? Main takeaway? I guess I enjoyed how they kind of hunkered down defensively when they needed to. They held them to 19 points, 24 points, and 25 points over the last three quarters. That's some excellent defense. So Golden State really lit them up. Uh, the big ragu was scorching hot. I think the broadcast, Jeff Gunny was joking. Steve Kerr was joking. Who needs Steph Curry? <laughs> but after that, um, terrific deep from, from Philly. Yeah, they 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 were playing that drop coverage because they're like, oh, Steph's not out there. Don't don't need to worry as much about the outside shooting. But DiVincenzo was hot early. Uh, Jordan Poole ended up having a nice game with 29 points. He had four threes by the end of the night. Um, Clay hit three threes, but not a good game overall for Clay. He was four or 17 from the field, so he, he certainly struggled. But yeah, after as you said, after the uh, the big first quarter where Golden State scored 38 the Sixers really clamped down they held them to 19 in the second to get back to within two by half and then 24 and 25 in the second half so but much better defensive effort after after the first and uh, obviously some of that was you know Golden State's not going to shoot nine of 12 from three every quarter even even getting open looks you're not going to shoot 75%, but uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the effort was solid across the board from, from the Sixers. Uh, like Matisse, Matisse's block at the end of the one quarter where mm. he, he kind of threw it into the, the 20th row on a corner three attempt. Um, but yeah, I thought, and uh, Trez Harrell also had a, a really big block at one point. And so a nice save by I forget who right after his block. To yeah. Keep it, keep it alive. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, Sixers were definitely engaged. They were they were locked in defensively. I think it was just kind of a scheme thing and some hot shooting from Golden State earlier that you know bit them a little bit. But they they adjusted and yeah, no no negative vibes around around the team's effort tonight as far as the defensive 
uh, side of the ball is concerned. I thought I thought they were solid. Um, but offense is where they, you know, that's where they've really been good lately. And we got to start with Joel Embiid in that category. 34 points tonight. Uh, it's, I believe it's his sixth straight game with 30-plus. Just if, if he qualified, he'd be leading the league in scoring once again this season. Uh, I mean, there's there's really no holes in this game right now. Dave, he's just bigger than 95% of the opponents, so he can just bully his way on the interior. He's getting to the free-throw line with ease. He used 10 of 12 at the line tonight. The mid-range game has been solid. His outside game was uh, good tonight. He hit two or three. He hit that one really big trail three when he was wide open at the top of the key that you know got kind of a standing ovation from the crowd because it led into a Golden State timeout. Um, 13 boards. Four assists, his his ball movement as kind of this uh, hub from the the key area has been excellent lately, and a solid solid defensive effort, of course, from Joel. Four steals, two two blocks. I guess the the six turnovers we can nitpick about. Um, not the cleanest game from him in that regard, but he he just seems to be locked in right now, Dave. And it it's super easy for him to kind of just walk into thirty points right now. And we'll talk about James Harden, but the fact that Harden has been back and finding Joel and making his life easier has has certainly helped Joel as well. Um, what what have your thoughts been on Joel's recent scoring surge? Yeah, he's playing masterfully, marvelously. Uh, it's the third consecutive regular season now where there's a moment where we could have that conversation. Is he the best player in the league right now? Um, I think most people would tell you he's got to have that signature run. Allen Iverson never won a championship, obviously, but he had that signature run getting to the finals. Without that, there's going to be plenty of critics. A uh, nice piece by your own Weitzman talking about James Harden, how he understands his own legacy is limited by not having a championship as well. So that stuff gets weighed against you. But it's really hard to argue that anyone's playing better than Joel right now. Like you said, there's just no holes in his game. If you did have to nitpick, and I did nitpick tonight, um, I think it was a week ago we heard Doc call the player that they like to run elbow flat if it's just a straight-up ISO at the elbow, and maybe I forget the other version of it, um, elbow something else. If they begin it with like a switch and a pick-and-roll, maybe a version of variation of Spain to get to force a switch, get the ball to Harden, then get the ball to Embiid. Uh, and then, so they've been running a lot of that and really just haven't been able to stop it. I mean, the worst I felt bad for Mason Plumley, he couldn't stop it earlier last week. Uh, and certainly Kevon Looney did a good job, but, but what can you do? I mean, with that touch he has on this mid range and the number of times he gets to the line, he's just a monster. Yeah, it's a real damned if you do, damned if you don't. As far as defensive strategy against Joel, you know, if you try to come up on him, he's skilled enough with the ball handling to, you know, get a step on on bigger men, and then he can kind of shield himself and and kind of bully his way to the rim. And the only stop, the only chance of stopping him at that point is to foul him. Or if you, if you hang back and give him a couple of feet of space, then he's just going to casually drain a 15 footer. Um, and so... I like when he, I like when he sized them up, faced the rim and then saw that Melton was open in the corner for the three and hit him there. That was a big play. Yeah. He's been great. His court vision has 
continued to progress each and every year. It's it's at his best that we've ever seen it uh, this season, um, a- averaging a career high in assists this year. And you, you can certainly see the the results of uh, the work he puts in each and every offseason. He, he's just a guy that continues to get better. And that's pretty incredible to say for someone that's been the runner-up MVP for two years running now. And um, if he keeps up how he's been playing the last couple of weeks, we'll certainly be in that conversation by the end of the year. Only 10th um, in the straw poll <laughs> released today from Tim Bontemps. So if you could go on your favorite book and get odds that are around 10th, I think you'll get yourself a nice cash out when he inevitably rises to like third or fourth in that list. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, you brought this up in our Slack channel earlier today. What, what would your strategy be? Do you, do you then put your MVP, your MVP bet that you got when he was 10th on one of those like bet swap sites and, and sell it off when he's, when he's higher? Because there's not like a Joel Embiid will not win MVP prop that you could like, uh, middle later on so yeah well draft draft kings if you put a bet in lets you cash out and often uh, okay you can, you can even for win. futures yeah for futures so i bet on the nets to win the championship back in july when kevin durant asked for his trade i was like yeah they're not going to trade him and so they, they offered me a pretty decent cash out uh, i still haven't taken it because it wasn't enough to justify like you know plus 2700 or whatever it was um but if the Nets make a run and, you know, what are they in fourth place in the East? Yes. I, I yeah. think I think my cash out number will continue to climb. <laughs> and so I think you can get the same on Joel if you uh, I don't know what his MVP is now, but I'll check tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. So some good some good betting advice from our uh, our DraftKings columnist here at, at LB. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think Joel will just continue to rise and whatever you want to call it, the MVP straw poll, the MVP ladder, just the, the conversations around the league. Cause he was not playing to his capabilities at the start of the season. Just uh, the plantar fasciitis. Yeah. The, the, the deconditioning or whatever you want to call it. Yep. And he came into the season, not himself. And then, he, you know, he missed a few games and now the last, the guy we've seen the last two to three, two to three weeks ever seen ever since he came back from his most recent absence. That's been the Joel Embiid we expected to see coming into the season. The guy and that thank goodness, because I, I was really worried with fasciitis. I mean, that can linger for a whole season or more sometimes. And we've seen it plague big guys. So for us to not be talking about that anymore and talking about where he ranks in the MVP race, that that's a real blessing for us as fans. Yep. Uh, he is, the reason the process was worth it as, as we're so apt to say, and it's good to see him playing at the top of his game once again. Um, All right. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. When we get back, we'll talk James Harden, D'Anthony Melton and the other productive members of the Sixers roster tonight in the win. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. So Joel Embiid playing good basketball, but certainly helped a lot, especially these last four games or so, by James Harden, who, after he came back, he had the the bad game against Houston in, in his initial return. But since then, the four games that not entirely coincidentally have all been four Sixers victories, Harden has been outstanding. 27 points, five rebounds, nine assists tonight, four of eight from three got to the line nine times, making seven. Just good good night across the board from James. Never seemed like he was forcing anything. He just kind of let the game come to him. Uh, just super super casual effort. And not, not casual in, in the sense that he wasn't like giving, giving effort or trying hard or anything like that. Just in the sense that he was playing within himself. He made it look easy because he was hitting his spots and he, it seems like he has the offense figured out at this point, um, and they have enough pieces back where there's there's guys that are going to be where they need to be. PJ Tucker and Matisse Seibel, they're they're going to be in the corners. Like George Niang's going to be floating around on the wings, and uh, Harden has got enough of a rapport with all these guys at this point that he, he knows where his teammates are going to be. He can hit them with passes on the right in their shooting slot. Um, just I don't know. I mean, I, I feel really good about the Harden we've seen these last four games. Dave, you've been concerned about his minutes load, which, you know, it certainly has been concerning at times in the, in the down efforts you you've raised points about like lingering injuries in the past, but I I think he, he looks really good in the, in this moment. So should we just embrace it? Is there any concerns on the horizon in your mind? What, What are your thoughts on James? Yeah, I'm concerned just generally because the team has not shown any indication that they want to load manage him at all, really. Um, he's he's averaging 40 minutes per game basically since he returned. And so if you didn't want to load manage him last year, which they didn't, and it probably bit them because he played a lot in March and he was holding at that hamstring and you know he really fizzled in the playoffs. You didn't want to load manage him at all to begin this season. And then he picked up an injury and it's like, well, surely now you would like to, right? But doesn't seem that they want to. I think they feel that they need a top three seed to really have a chance to win the title. Um, They might be right about that. I mean, it might just be a really 
hard grind from the fifth seed or a sixth seed. So that few game difference might be everything to in their mind, especially without Maxi. So they they might just feel that they need to push him. Maybe that guy Simon Rice, who's the hamstring expert or resident trainer, is saying like playing extra is not what's going to hurt him. It's you know it's the stuff he does off the court. It's his lack of conditioning or blah blah blah. I don't know. I don't know what they would argue, but whatever it is, it looks like they are content to ride him. Hopefully, they'll keep his minutes lower. Harden actually mentioned it a few games ago. He was like, after the comeback by LA, he was like, you know, ideally, I wouldn't have to play these loads and loads of minutes. I played 48 tonight, this one going to overtime. Um, so he did show some signs that he has an understanding that there is a limit for him um, at 33, now going on 34 for next year. Yeah, I think it's wise to be prudent with this minutes going forward. Um, not not to say these last few games. I mean, the Sixers have had they they don't have back to backs. They they have this. They're in the midst of the seven game homestand, and you know, plenty plenty of off days in between. So I, I think it's perfectly fine to you know push the starters a little bit and thirty six minutes fine for James tonight. Um, and he, and he's playing great. Uh, based on what you've seen these last four games as would you say this is as good as Harden has played in a Sixers uniform this this most recent stretch mm. I'm not I'm not sure it's a good question I'm gonna have to get back to you on that I know I thought he looked pretty quick in his first couple games against the Timberwolves and the Knicks when they first got him last year after two weeks off I know I thought maybe after the first game or two of the season he looked a little quicker um I don't know. I feel like he's still getting his legs. You know, we, you see him have trouble getting by his initial man, have trouble finishing, even while putting up these pretty impressive lines and even while making hotly contested three-point stepbacks. Um, I feel like there's, you know, I hate to say the cliche we've all always said, but like some lack of burst that maybe we shouldn't expect to come back anymore. Um, but I don't think he looks at the peak version they're going to need to win the title right now. And and you mentioned it casual. So I think the, the Harden that helps put them over the top is a little bit sharper than the Harden we've seen over the last five games, but he deserves some time. He missed a month. Yeah. Um, so if, if there is still another level beyond what we're saying, then yeah, that would, that would certainly be a contending team because this version of Harden has been excellent. So if he has yet another gear, then yeah, that that's exactly what you would want from your your one B option in the offense. Um, if if I could script it perfectly, it would be like Embiid leads the league and leads the team in scoring tonight, and then the next game Harden does, and then the next game Maxi does, and so the three of them could kind of take turns and stay fresh. Maybe occasionally Tobias gets one in there. Um, and then they preserve each other. Yeah, ideally, that's when they have all hands on deck. That's, that's yeah. what, what you want. And I'm not as worried about James leading them in scoring. Like, I think if he's among the top three in the league in assists and is also averaging 20 a game, that's perfectly okay in my book. Um, I, I don't think he needs to be a guy that you know, leads leads the team in scoring every third night. Um, I think Joel can pretty safely assume that mantle, and he's he's averaging 30, 34 
a game or whatever he is right now. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't expect Harden to have many nights where he's averaging or he's scoring over 30. Um, I think his kind of wheelhouse is like 20 to 25 a night and 10 to 12 assists a night. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's been playing great. Uh, some really nice look ahead passes tonight from Harden, like three quarter court length passes. He had the one to Daniel House Jr. for a dunk, yep. and he had another uh, look ahead, I think it was to Melton. Um, and then Melton uh, dished the alley oop to Joel. It was just yes. like Harden got the rebound, the, the really nice kick ahead, and then Melton and Joel had the nice connection. So yeah, that was the the big three tonight for the Sixers. Um, so let's let's finish off with uh, De'Anthony Melton, who had 17 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, only one turnover against the seven assists, and hit three threes on eight tries. I he flirted, he flirted with the triple double. Yeah, I mean, can we say enough about the connective piece that Melton has been for the Sixers this season? I mean, I think we all liked the trade in the off season when it when it happened and. You know, Danny had the injury, so as much as we appreciated what he brought to the table, he was just a, a contract at that point. Um, and the first round pick, you know, you can occasionally luck luck slash scout your way into uh, somebody like Tyrese Maxey falling to you in the early twenties, but they, they were this pick was in the mid twenties, and very infrequently does that turn into more than just like a back end rotation player. So to get a guy who's still young in Melton, who has some upside left in him while already being a productive pro in like a six man type role, we thought that was a great trade. He's been starting a lot lately because all the injuries and I mean, he's gone from six, six man of the year down ballot type player to like, this guy's a legitimate starter in this league. He's, He's hitting threes at a good clip. He's amazing on the defensive end. He's a really good rebounder for his size and his position. And I think the assist and his playmaking has been what has been kind of most eye-opening for me. He, he had this reputation as being, you know, he's he's not a point guard. Don't expect him to be a point guard who can run the offense. I still don't think he, he can run an offense, but as a secondary ball handler, playmaker type guy who has good vision in the open court in transition um, does, does a lot of really good things. And at, at, aside from, I guess, some streakiness with his shot, which we, we haven't seen as much of as we kind of thought going into the season. Um, I don't know. I, I, he's nothing but good things to say about the D'Anthony Mountain experience. What do you, uh, what, I, do, do you agree? Do you, do you have any, yeah, buts about D'Anthony Melton at this point? I, I don't. I don't. I think he's been, like you said, he's been a terrific connected piece. I've seen some people on Twitter asking each other, is he Maury's best free agent acquisition uh, or trade acquisition? You know, not counting Tyrese Maxey, obviously. So you could throw in Josh Richardson and a Sam Hinkie pick second for Seth Curry. Um, you could throw in trading Al Horford for Danny Green, Horford and a pick. You could throw in the the James Harden trade, but some people think that the Melton acquisition is one of his best moves. Um, so it's tough to argue with. I know that it would have killed some fans who are draft nerds if there was someone just exploding off off the block. But I'm looking at some of these names. I think at the time, the highest guy on my board was Blake Wesley. 
out of Notre Dame who's on the Spurs. So like if I was on the board and all I had all I had to work with was my like own personal YouTube highlight analysis and looking at some ESPN rankings, I would have taken Wesley, but he's not, you know, he's not making a big noise. He's not really cracking the rotation for Popovich yet. So for a team in as win now mode as the Sixers are, I think Melton was uh, pretty close to a home run for such a you know small ten ten million dollar move or whatever it was. Yeah, definitely a home run in terms of value and impact for the team. Um, like like the trade a lot, like it even more now. Yeah, if it was a great trade if you got the version of DeAnthony Melton from Memphis, but he's he's progressed and taken his game to another level. So it's, it, it's looked even better. He shot uh, like three of 21 from distance in the playoffs. And I guess they hit the panic button or the eject button on for that reason, or they just fell in love with their own ability to mine talent after getting guys like Des Bain. Right. So whatever it was, you get the sense that Maury thought his deflections and his ability to hit wide open corner threes on my roster with all of the attention Harden and Beat are going to get, that's going to unlock a version of him that we have yet to see in Memphis. And I think he was right. So. Well, hard to really fault Memphis too much. They are first in the West right now and have won yeah, seven yeah. straight. Um, so they they do know what they're doing. I think to a certain extent, it was like our roster is so loaded that we can afford to lose a guy in the short term and kind of rebuild for the future and we probably wouldn't be able to pay Melton what he would want on an extension um, in a year and a half from now. So they, they just kind of tried to get ahead of it a little bit versus his value, trade value going down when he was uh, expiring in a year. So that I'm sure played a lot into it. Um, but yeah, I, I think to a, start, a certain extent, as well as everything's going for them, they have to be regarding the trade I, I know i know all the grizzlies fans are because when the the sixers played in memphis uh, a couple weeks back all, all the reporting from the beats and stuff was you know talking to fans here and they just still can't believe the melton trade they they loved the guy and it's easy to see why um given how well he's played in the sixers for the sixers and how the philadelphia fan base has embraced him definitely not a guy you would want to get rid of no, he's a he's a dog. Sixers were looking for dogs, and <laughs> Shake Milton was one tonight too, at least offensively. Yeah, so yeah, let's talk about the other guys who chipped in tonight. Um, Shake, not not an explosive night, but in his in his role, played really well. Eleven points, six rebounds, three assists, couple steals. Um, just really has found his hit his stride this season as he's not going to be this lights out shooter. He he still shooting the ball well on the year, but it's his ability to catch and then attack off the, off the dribble and get those rotating defenders who, who aren't set and use that momentum against them and get downhill to the rim. Just that that's kind of his wheelhouse right now. And he, he looks as comfortable doing that as he, as we've seen him in his NBA career to this point. And he's, he's he's playing good enough defense. He's he's one of the team's better perimeter defenders, so he's he's a guy you can stick across a couple of positions. And his ability to play on or off the ball makes him really fungible in a lot of different lineups. Um, oh, good word. <laughs> so, so yeah, just uh, somebody that 
I think has flourished this season and it kind of makes you wonder what his future is going to be because he is a free agent coming up. Um, but Bungle, given flourish and future, you're just on a roll here. <laughs> Alliteration. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think shakes balling. Um, it's funny. Like it is hard for Sixers players to maintain their three point shot sometimes. And I think that he does struggle. I don't know. It looks like the ball is heavy in his hands when he releases but his inside the arc game is just expanding, and I think it has helped that he's clearly bulked up. Protein Shake Milton has been an ongoing joke <laughs> over the years, but it's working for me. Six trips to the line, some of those were important. Uh, a, a game high or team high plus eleven is that a game high? Game high plus eleven tonight. Uh, so a big lift off the bench on a night where you knew they were going to need it because Tobias Harris was out, Tyrese Maxey was out. Yeah, just somebody who, of course, made his biggest contributions filling in when both Maxi and Harden were out. Um, now, still a couple guys out of the rotation. Steps up, able to play 30-plus minutes for you off the bench. And, yeah, you just feel totally comfortable with him out, out there on the court. Um, and Joel clearly feels comfortable with him out there. When you, you see when Joel catches it in the high post, he might just pick the ball up above his head and pivot waiting for Shake to come to him. You know that for Joel, that's trust. Yep. Uh, and when Shake first was break, break, re-breaking out a few weeks back with the Hospital Sixers, I, one of the funnier comments was Joel talking about when they had their little their spat in the bubble. Yes. <laughs> and how... Shake standing up to him. Yeah. And how that that was a kind of a touch point in their relationship, and uh, how kind of proud he is of Shake now that uh, he's he's contributing on a more regular, consistent basis. Um, he knew right then and there Shake had that dog in him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, uh, he saw it. He saw he saw the dog within. Saw the X-ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Anyone else we want to we want to touch upon real quick? Uh, George Niang got off to a rough start, ended up hitting a couple big threes in the second half, but still just three of twelve from the field for him tonight. Um, yeah, didn't end up with eleven points. Returning from injury, uh, I noticed Paul Reed is still in the doghouse. I don't know if he had like a bad game or too many fouls once, and now he's just out of the rotation. But I don't agree with it. I just don't love the idea that you're going to bench a guy for weeks at a time when that might be the guy you're relying on in the playoffs. You know, if you're going to play him more than Trez in the playoffs, then you shouldn't go through stretches like this where he's not in the game because everyone needs their reps, especially the guys who are going to play. Yeah, he did. It wasn't, I don't think it was just one game. I think he, there. Hello? I think you might be on mute. There you go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I I agree with you in a larger sense that Paul shouldn't be completely out of the rotation. He's the guy you want to be the playoff backup center for you. Um, so getting just the garbage time inside the last minute of the game, not really what you want, but 
he I don't I don't think it was just one game either. I think he did struggle for a good like week and a half. So I understand why Doc wants to kind of maintain a meritocracy to a certain extent and say like, oh well, Paul's clearly not playing well. Like, let's go to Trez. Trez had a good game or two, and you don't want to just suddenly like erase Trez from the rotation. Then there there has to be some like accountability for production on the court. Um, but yeah, I don't think Reed should be gone entirely either. Uh, like give him at least a chance to get, you know, pull, pull out of his struggles and get back to, to playing well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess it's a long season. I'm not pulling my hair out as much. I, if, if this is still the case in like two weeks, then I'll be a little more concerned, but um, I, I do agree with you though that it it, sh- it shouldn't be Reed doesn't see the court at all um, because like you said he's the guy you want in the playoffs. Um, Trez Harrell's not going to be a guy you want in that situation. So we we talk about this seemingly every week. I don't think we need to to <laughs> to, to play play the hits again. <laughs> yeah, it's probably. I wonder if, if Daryl was like, "Look, I'm trying to trade Paul Reed right now, so ride with Trez for a minute." Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, zooming zooming out, Sixers now have won four straight, and you know taking advantage of the seven game homestand they have right now, they're back up to fifth in the East. Do do you see them making a move to get any higher? I, I mean, the the teams ahead of them are Boston and Milwaukee. I think we all agree are the top tier, and then Cleveland and Brooklyn. Do do you see them? catching either of those those teams or do you think this is kind of where the Sixers are going to be at Celtics Bucks I think the Sixers could definitely catch the Cavs um I'm looking at 538's predictions right now has them both winning 48 games so I think that could be a tight race if uh we learn from Doc Rivers that Maxie's not particularly close he's not doing what he has to do to get out there but then Adrian Wojnarowski went on TV and said he, he might even be thinking Christmas Day. So I don't know if that's updated info or that's the original timeline that Woj was just doubling down on. But you get that dude back into the fold and you can catch Cleveland, in my opinion. Doesn't mean they will. Doesn't mean that they'll also hold off the nets. But the three seed is in reach for these guys. And, and I think if you made a move you made a trade to get a little bit better and win another two three games um for sure and i think that that's what they want yeah i think the fact that the the hospital sixers were able to tread water a little bit when all the injuries were coming on they've looked really good since harding came back um at least after the second game he came back um joel's back to looking like joel you know, with the timeline on Max, he seems like it's not going to be too much longer. Um, yeah, I think I think you can definitely get up to third, but still a lot of season to be played. They're only a little over third of the way through. Um, you want good. that because if you had a path to the finals of getting through Kevin Durant as a four or five seed matchup and Kyrie Irving and then getting through perhaps the one seed, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. And then Giannis, that would be brutal. So you could see why they uh, they might be grinding out James Harden a few extra minutes than us podcast and blog boys love. <laughs> yeah, 
Yep they they're seeing the big the big picture I think in in that sense that it's going to be a grind getting uh clawing their way to every every win and it could end up mattering at the end of the regular season and yeah they're not they a will. team yeah yeah they're, they're not they're not the class of the east or anything so they have to kind of try to position themselves accordingly and try to make life make life e- as easy as possible for themselves heading into the postseason so that starts now i guess with uh with trying to win every game and not take any nights off and just let let your let your stars shine um, yeah my friends were texting me oh man steph curry's out and i was like well there goes Steph, there goes Wiggins, there goes Draymond. That's an easy win, and we need this. A win is a win is a win these days. Yeah, it 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 wasn't quite as easy as we might have thought, but at the end of the day, they still still won by twelve. They still covered the ten point spread. They so yeah, it turned turned out probably how it should have. But yes, yeah, definitely some tense moments in the beginning. Oh, here a break breaking quote from Kyle Newback. Embiid makes note of the next man up mentality and says, we're missing our best player in Tyrese. You got to love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, just a bit of a tongue in cheek thing for him, but yep. yeah, not, not too far <laughs> off. It's it's Tyrese was playing at an all-star level for a good chunk of the early part of the season. Yeah, he was. So yeah, it'll, it'll be great to have him back. Um, for and sure. Hope, he got hurt. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's before before the end of the month lets out. So we'll we'll see how that all takes place. But most importantly, just want him to be hundred percent when Tyrese gets back on the court. So seriously. All right. Well, good win for the Sixers tonight. Took care of business against the uh, the Hospital Warriors. Now on four straight, officially uh, through the midpoint of their seven game homestand. They'll play Toronto on Monday night, and uh, yeah. Hopefully they can get up to maybe fourth in the East by then. We'll see. Um, for, unfortunately, Brooklyn did uh, have a buzzer beater win tonight. Otherwise, yeah, six or five in a row for them could have could have tied could have tied Brooklyn in the standings. But long season six yet ahead. Row, six in a row for the Knicks, your Christmas Day opponent. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. That a couple weeks ago, that looked like it would have been a real dud. But uh, yeah, that that could actually. Uh, be a really interesting game the way these teams more, more Villanova players trying to scorch us. <laughs> yeah, in in MSG too, where you know, or I'm sorry, is is it in New York or is it in Philly? I forgot. I believe it's in the Garden. Okay, yeah. So yeah, Jalen Brunson in the Garden, where you know Nova plays a lot of games every year. So, um, all right, that that'll do it for us tonight, Dave. Where can everybody find you online? Uh, at David Early on Twitter and my work at Liberty Ballers exclusively. All right. And I'm at Philly Fast Break on Twitter. Yep. Check us all out on Liberty Ballers. Thanks for tuning in. Dave, thanks for joining me. And Sixers 118 106 over Golden State. They are now up to 16 and 12 on the season. Take care, everybody. Hope you all enjoy your holiday season. We'll talk to you next week.